everything you guys have been through, stuck through, to win like that on Monday Night Football. Sorry. Yeah. 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 But yeah. fellas, we stick together. You know we're capable of anything, right? Game ball goes this entire football team. Yeah. Yeah. Let me hear it. Who they? Who they? Who they? Who they say gonna beat the Bengals? Who they? Who they? Who they say gonna beat the Bengals? Unbelievable. The Cincinnati Bengals taking down the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. That audio video, courtesy of Bengals.com, Zach Taylor in the locker room, Giovanni Bernard leading the boys in the Hude chant. Welcome to episode number 68 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. I am your host, Adi Almori. And if you can't tell, I'm a little bit fired up because the Bengals just did one of the most surprising things I've ever seen them do. One of the most surprising things in the history of Cincinnati sports. The Bengals, 14-point underdogs at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football, beat them and were the better team all night long. They shut up Juju Smith-Schuster, who has been... You know, a thorn in the side of people that are, uh, he's just, he's annoying. Let's just put it, he, it, it is what it is. He is annoying. He went out and he did what he always does to everybody. Bengals are no exception. He went out and he danced on the Bengals logo. That's fine. Do what you do, Juju. Do what you do, Juju. But you got to back it up on the playing field. He just haven't hasn't been doing that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. We'll take a look at the NFL playoff picture. Not much to talk about in the world of sports, but the conversation for me is absolutely unequivocally going to be dominated by the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers because you look at this weekend in the NFL, and I'm just going to get right into it. Welcome aboard to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. But you look at this weekend in the NFL, the New York Jets beat the, the Los Angeles Rams. All right, and And I try to tell people all the time, that any given Sunday is not just a saying, especially in the National Football League. Anything can happen on any given week at any time. That's just the nature of the beast and the nature of the NFL. And so I I did not expect, really truthfully, I did not expect the Jets to beat the Rams. But like I said the other day, how hard it is to go 0-16 in the NFL, it's legitimately difficult. You just got an example of it right there. Some days you just have it. Some days you put it all together. The Bengals last night, they had it. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. I might even drop it on Tuesday afternoon instead of the normal Wednesday. I don't know, but, but, but. That's besides the point. The Bengals were the better football team last night at home at Paul Brown Stadium on Monday Night Football. It was it was shocking, and we've already made talk about it here on, on Cincinnati Sports Radio about – is it the most shocking Cincinnati sports event of all time? And, and it very well may be. You, the, the 2003 Bengals-Chiefs comes to mind. And the the Reds in the World Series in 1990, there's some UC basketball events that come to mind, yada, yada, yada. All that, you look top to bottom how bad this football team has been for quite some time, the last three years, and how bad they've been offensively this year without Joe Burrow defensively it's just it's it's really it's it's truly shocking now i've said for a while and i i've been quoted on this podcast of saying i don't think the pittsburgh steelers are all that legitimate they have not been able to run the football whatsoever that being said the way the bengal's have been playing i didn't expect the steelers to beat the or i didn't expect the bengal's to beat the steelers 
And the Bengals' defense came out absolutely fired up. It's not very often where the Bengals come out and just bring the energy right away. They're typically not the aggressive bunch. They're typically, you know, the kind of wait it out, touch and feel, and then see, you know, where the game's at and then try to respond. And it doesn't normally work out very well for them. That was not the case last night. I don't know if the Steelers were sleepwalking. I don't know if they kind of overlooked the Bengals. I don't know if they're legitimately struggling to the point where they have no idea what's going on within their team and how to how to fix it. They've lost three straight games now, by the way. But they have. They, they, they're they not good right now, and the Bengals really kind of took it to them. Now, you come out in the second half, Bengals going to halftime leading 17 to nothing. And you come out in the second half, and the Bengals, and the Bengals go three and out, and the Steelers score a quick touchdown. So I immediately thought, okay, well, this is how this is going to go. The Bengals are not going to win. You know, let's just try to, you know, remember that first half as one of the great first halves in Bengals history. But the Bengals did just enough to stay alive. The Steelers kept making mistakes. They had, I believe, more turnovers than first downs in the first half. And, you know, continuing on with the second half, but they they just, the Bengals just kept them at an arm's length. The Bengals did enough. And they never truly let Pittsburgh get back in the, in the game. The Steelers cannot run the ball hardly at all. Benny Snell had a pretty good night, but... They got a little bit more on track, but the Bengals had a good pass rush, a great night defensively. You started to see a little bit because the Bengals are a little more healthy than they have been. Obviously, no Geno Atkins this week, but Mackenzie Alexander was out there. William Jackson played a really good game. Jesse Bates motivated by being snubbed by the Pro Bowl. How is the number one safety rated by Pro Football Focus all season long? How is he snubbed from the Pro Bowl? First and foremost, and this is completely besides the point, and beside you know, off topic, don't ever, 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 never, ever in the history of anything should fans be allowed to vote for all-star games, rosters, Pro Bowls, whatever. It is the dumbest thing maybe that I've ever seen. The fans do not know a damn thing. Don't give the fans a vote. Give it to the people in the league. Give it to the people in the organization. Let them do what they do when it comes to that. It's a bunch of hogwash to let fans vote. Anyways, that's besides the point. Jesse Bates motivated, makes a play. Mike Daniels was spectacular on the interior. Josh Bynes had a good night, a huge third and one stop. They, they The Bengals just did everything right. Sam Hubbard made some big plays. Marcus Hunt batted down a ball. Hubbard batted down a ball. Mackenzie Alexander, like I said, had an interception. But the play of the game early on, Von Bell lights up Juju Smith-Schuster. Bengals, Bengals recover the fumble that he had on the play, take it down inside Steelers' territory and score a touchdown. Lit up. Lit up Juju Smith-Schuster. And here's the great part about that. So Juju Smith-Schuster, as you know, is a, he's a, an entertainer before he's a football player. And he's made that increasingly clear that he cares more about what he's doing on social media than what he's doing on the football field. And his numbers reflect that. So he's big on the TikTok, which is fine. TikTok is a great app. I love it. I use it. I don't produce and make videos, but I watch them and they're hilarious. But Juju Smith-Schuster's on there along with Chase Claypool, another wide receiver on the Steelers, and they like to make TikToks. And Juju has taken to this thing where he will, wherever they go on the road and at home, he'll dance on the logo at midfield. And make a TikTok video. That's all fine and well, but you have to understand that with that is going to come some criticism. It happened with Buffalo. It happened with with the Browns. It happened. It just it happens when you do that. And 
The Bengals were asked about it this week in their media sessions, and Von Bell, ironically, was asked about it. And Von Bell said that he finds it disrespectful. And, you know, I think his exact quote was, there's nothing we can say about it because they're at the top. All we have to do is come out on the field and hit him and show where he stands. And that's exactly what Von Bell did. Lit his ass up, ball fumbled, Bengals recover, take it down, score a touchdown with it on the ensuing possession. And Juju Smith-Schuster was kind of shut up. He he had another catch later on that night, but he really wasn't doing all that much. And, you know, if you're going to be like that, that's the thing about Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. It's never ceased talking. But he was the best receiver in the AFC for a number of years. I think the only receiver at the time to ever lead their conference in receiving yards four years in a row. Chad Johnson was a dog. And that's why he talked so much, and he backed it up. And I'm not saying that Juju Smith-Schuster is talking directly to these people, but when you know that this is going to be taken as disrespect to a team, to a franchise, then you got to understand that you're not going to you're not going to be taken lightly. Like you're not going to be ignored. You're going to have to back it up. You're going to have to do something or people are going to target you. They're going to come after you. And to, to see him get obliterated the way that he was and to fumble that football was just spectacular. And so shout out to my dad. My dad sent me a, an article from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette this morning by uh, Paul Zeese. I think that's how you say his name. I'm not entirely sure. And he was talking about Juju and, and the Bengals beating the Steelers on Monday Night Football last night. And he was talking about Juju specifically. And uh, Z says, and I quote At one point, Smith Schuster was the Steelers' top receiver, but he's become a bit of a clown show and it's hurting his performance. Antonio Brown pulled off some of the same stuff. But the difference is, when the game started, he went out and was the best player on the field. Smith-Schuster is a microcosm of the Steelers' issues. He talks and acts like a superstar, but doesn't perform like one. Close quote. I love that, number one. Number two, let's take, let me put all of this maybe into context for you. I don't get too excited anymore. I try not to. And, but... There's something about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it will probably be with me forever because I hate them with a burning, undying passion. And, you know, they ruined my childhood when they did what they did to Carson Palmer. They ruined, you know, my formative years, I like to call them, when they did what they did to the Bengals on January 9th, 2016 in the playoff game. They have... They, they took away the playoffs from the Bengals, I think, in 2007 with Antonio Holmes. They they just continued to – they were always the big brother. They were always the bully. They were always taking the Bengals out. And to just – to finally get one night where they – the Bengals just kind of beat them up. They were physical. They were tough. They were so much better. It just felt good to beat them the way they did. Now, whether or not they're a good football team is besides the point. It's always going to feel good to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and to do it on Monday night because there's a narrative, and it's a legitimate one, that the Bengals do not perform on primetime. They don't. They don't play all that good on primetime. That's a fact. But they did last night. They did what they had to do last night. A very, very impressive performance. I'm through the moon. I'm excited. And you know, 
grander picture here, the the grand scheme of things, the Steelers or excuse me, the Bengals did not affect their draft position whatsoever. The Bengals are still picking third in the NFL draft, which is fine. That's a that's a good spot for them to be. They've got a winnable game coming up this week against the Houston Texans, and then they host the Baltimore Ravens to end the season on January third. So, I don't anticipate them, you know, moving much when it comes to that. The the Steelers, the Browns play the Jets coming up this week, I believe, and then the Browns Steelers in Week Seventeen. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the Jags have going on, so. I would expect that this draft order to be about the same. Right now, I believe Jacksonville has the tiebreaker over the Jets for the number one overall pick. Now there's starting to be rumors about Sam Darnold and do the Jets want to keep him and what about Adam Gase and new head coach and yada, yada, yada. Do you build around Sam Darnold? Do you trade the second pick for, you know, a King's ransom and get, you know, keep building your team up? Or do you take uh, Penny Sewell and build up your offensive line, back-to-back offensive tackles in the top 10 NFL drafts. So um, it's interesting with the Jets, but you know, if you're going to be in the position that you're in as the Bengals and you're going to be terrible, then if you can win some football games without negatively impacting your draft stock, you should absolutely do it. And you talk about Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, I love rooting for this guy. He's so easy to root for because you know that he's always doing things the right way. It feels like he's always doing things the right way. It doesn't feel like he's lost the locker room. Last night was a perfect example. People get on me about this, and, and people say that Zach has lost the locker room and Zach's in over his head and all I just don't buy that. And I've said that before and after this Bengals-Steelers game, whatever, the games they've won, the games they've lost. I just don't buy it because I look at this team and I know that they are not a, that they have not given up by any way, shape, or form. I know that. And to to see that narrative, you obviously are frustrated because they've stunk. But the the ego that I talked about last week when it comes to the offense, and we saw this this weekend with Ohio State, Ryan Day finally put his ego aside and started running the football, and all of a sudden Trey Sermon rushes for a school record, and Ohio State wins the Big Ten Championship. You, you put all those aside. You put the ego be aside of throwing the football because you got your third string quarterback out there, by the way, Ryan Finley, who has proven uh, on more than one occasion in his short NFL career that he is not an NFL caliber quarterback. But he went out there and won the football game. He threw it 13 times. He completed seven passes for 89 yards and a touchdown to Giovanni Bernard. I think Gio had like three touchdowns last night. Guy's unbelievable. Love him. Favorite Bengal. Geo goes out there and catches a Ryan Finley touchdown pass. Ryan Finley rushes the ball a bunch. The Bengals ran the ball as I pull up the stat the the box score here. I just had it up. I lost it. But we the biggest one of the biggest criticisms about Zach Taylor and his offense in recent years and and this season is no exception is that he just threw the ball too much. They didn't run the ball enough. So Ryan Finley 7 for 13, 89 yards and a touchdown. The Bengals ran the ball 41 times for 152 yards and two touchdowns. Geo had 25 carries, 83 yards, a touchdown. Ryan Finley had 10 carries, 47 yards, a touchdown. Samaj P. Ryan carried it four times. Travion Williams carried it two times. A.J. Green was your leading, your leading receiver, two catches for 40 yards. Teagans had three catches for 31 yards. Like I said, Geo, one catch, 14 yards, and a touchdown. So Zach Taylor puts the ego aside and say, okay, 
I've got my third string quarterback out there. We need to keep the Steelers offense off the field. We need to dominate the the tempo, the energy, the everything of this game. We have to use it to our advantage because unfortunately they were playing on the road despite the fact that it was in Cincinnati. It's always like that with Pittsburgh. But they go out there and they do what they do like they just ran the ball down their throat. They killed the clock. They Got some big third down completions when they needed. The Bengals were 0 for 13 on third down the last time these two teams played a couple of weeks ago. Roethlisberger, 20 for 38, 170 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Benny Snell carried it for 18 uh, 18 times for 84 yards and a touchdown. They didn't do much else. They had 23 total carries for 86 yards, if that tells you about everybody else. Uh, Deontay Johnson for Pittsburgh, eight catches, 59 yards, a touchdown. Claypool had three catches for 54 yards. Juju had three catches for 15 yards. Um, so it's just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm giddy, man. I really, truly am giddy. And so I, I had a feeling, and I got to be better at this. I got to be better at expressing my feeling when I get the feeling. I had a feeling going into this game that this was one the Bengals would win, and I didn't share it with anybody because I didn't want to be perceived as, A, a Bengals homer, and B, a complete psychopath because the Bengals are pretty bad, and the Steelers are much better than them, and it's Monday Night Football, and it's primetime, and all these things working against the Bengals that traditionally work against the Bengals, I didn't want to go out there and say, okay, the Bengals are going to win this football game because I don't know if I really ever truly believed it, but I had a feeling, and here was my feeling. The last time the Bengals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at home on Monday Night Football was almost 10 years ago. That's a lot. The Steelers had beaten the Bengals in 11 consecutive games. Eventually, that stuff has to end. The Steelers cannot run the football. That does not help them. The Bengals were wearing orange. They're really good in orange. They now go to 7-2 all-time in the orange jersey-black pant combo. I don't care what anybody says. There's some magic in those orange jerseys. Orange and white is a clean look, too. Didn't go with that tonight. I don't remember them ever wearing orange on black for a night game, but it looked pretty good. Looked pretty good on national television. You have all that stuff going for you and the fact that, you know, eventually the Steelers are going to lose one. They've lost two straight. They're not playing very well. They can't run the ball. Uh, the Bengals are obviously hyped up. You got an extra day of preparation. You're wearing orange jerseys. You're at home, quote unquote. So all these things, it just gets me, you know, I kind of had a feeling, you know, the Bengals might actually keep this close if they could run the ball a little bit. And they did. Credit to Zach Taylor. He, did, he didn't He didn't go out there and say, okay, Ryan Finley's going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, we're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers by running the football. And Getting him and and you know I thought you know one thing we always get on the Bengals about is adjustments. They made a really good adjustment early in the game. T.J. Watt was really getting to the quarterback. He was beating up Bobby Hart, which you know, but he was he was getting at Bobby Hart pretty good. And the Bengals really made an adjustment to go to a lot of read option and put T.J. Watt in a bind where you know he's got to play the run, he's got to play the pass, and all this stuff. And and I thought the Bengals did a really good job of adjusting to kind of take T.J. Watt out of the game and uh, force him to make some plays elsewhere. And uh, he did. He's a great player. Might win the Defensive Player of the Year. But I thought that was a really good adjustment by Zach Taylor and the Bengals. They didn't try to do too much. And they understood it and they did it. And hopefully that's something that they can build on. I'm never going to be mad when they win, no matter what, even if it has 
negative impacts on the draft, which this one didn't. I'm never going to be mad when they win. So with that, I mean, just it was wonderful. Awesome night at Paul Brown Stadium last night. I'm now 3-2 and two lifetime at uh, Monday Night Football games. I have attended uh, two of those coming against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that's uh, kind of big time. Um, when I come back, I'm going to touch briefly on the college football playoff in that situation. I'm going to talk about the NBA, and we'll take a look at the NFL playoff picture as we get into uh, Week 16, which just really pains me to say. I hate, hate that we are in Week 16 already in the NFL season. So all that and more coming up next on the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Welcome back to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. The college football playoff rankings were announced over the weekend, and I wasn't really surprised. You know, I was a little bit surprised to an extent because I I really don't know that Ohio State is all that deserving to get in when you look at them from the eye test thing. Because and, and the committee seems to say that the eye test is like the big deal. Ohio State really hasn't been all that good in terms of the eye test for most of the year. And I've had my serious concerns about them. But now, I mean, I, I mean, I understand why they're in the playoff. But I also understand, to an extent, the people that think they shouldn't be. Because they, they really haven't passed the eye test. They haven't played that well, at least in my opinion. And I said that before, and I didn't expect them to make the first uh, college football playoff rankings and stay in the entire time, and they did. And I was kind of worried that they would drop out because of how poorly they played at the start of the game in the Big Ten Conference Championship game this past weekend. But nevertheless, the Buckeyes are in. The number one team, Alabama. Number two, Clemson, after they beat Notre Dame in the ACC title game. Ohio State is three, and uh, Notre Dame is four. So you're going to have Bama against Notre Dame, Clemson against Ohio State. You know, a lot of people are already, you know, penciling Alabama into the national championship game. They played a great game against Florida, and Florida exposed some things, I think, on the Alabama defense. Like, we like to to just kind of glorify Alabama probably more than we should, but their defense has been relatively suspect all year long. Like, they have some holes in that defense, and you saw it to, to an extent quite a bit in the SEC title game with the way Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Florida, they were able to, to make some plays and really – stay in that football game by taking down that Alabama defense. So I I have been big in the past on saying that I don't think that um, Ian Book is all that good, but he's having a really good season. He is and should be in the Heisman conversation. I don't think he'll win it, but uh, I wouldn't count Notre Dame out just that quickly because they do have a good offense and they've got a really good young running back his name escapes me at the moment but they can run the football a little bit and if they can do that against Alabama take away some possessions from Mac Jones and the tight offense and and uh kind of shorten that game a little bit wouldn't surprise me if Notre Dame is uh is hanging around with Alabama at the end there as far as Ohio State and Clemson are concerned very similarly to what I just said about the Bengals and the Steelers, where eventually things got kind of got to start going your way, it feels like that might be the case for Ohio State. They're starting to peak. They're playing their seventh game. Their Clemson will be their seventh game. And you've got a lot of bulletin board material here. Dabo Sweeney, it was, a, it was released his uh, coach's poll results, and he had Ohio State at number 11 behind Coastal Carolina. Dabo is, is you know, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, Dabo, that's on you. 
He has been critical of Ohio State, like I said on last week's episode. So Ohio State has that on the bulletin board going for him. Number two, people have been disrespecting Ohio State the entire year, at least in their mind, disrespecting them, saying that they haven't played enough games, they're not that good of a football team, and they're not deserving of being in the college football playoff. Add that fuel to the fire. Number three, like I said about the Bengals, Ohio State's going to be wearing those road white uniforms. They play well in the road white uniforms. Add on to that, they're going to be playing in the All-State Sugar Bowl, which is in New Orleans. And if you know anything about Ohio State, they have a lot of success playing as an underdog in New Orleans wearing the road whites. Finally, Alabama, or excuse me, Clemson is like 8-0 all-time against Ohio State. They are Ohio State's boogeyman. Ohio State struggles mightily against them. I think the Buckeyes had them beat last year if it wasn't for Chris Olave kind of turning off that route before he was supposed to. I think Justin Fields collects, completes that pass and Ohio State beats Clemson. There was also a terrible call in that game, a targeting call, a fumble call, all these things that happened against Ohio State. All Ohio State has been thinking about from January of 2020 until now is Clemson, is that college football playoff game. This is the rematch Ohio State wanted. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready. And eventually, like I said, the Steelers beat the Bengals 11 straight times. Clemson beating Ohio State, I believe, eight straight times. Eventually, the tide will turn. And add on to this, there was a video that came out of Ryan Day talking to the Buckeyes in the locker room after the conference championship. And it was a Facebook Live or Instagram Live, and the person who recorded it should not have been recording it. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be recording your coach or be live on anything like that. And Ryan Day basically said to the extent, if you give me one game against anybody in the country, Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson, I'm taking Ohio State. And he said, we're going to beat their beep, 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 beep. And that's going to be Clemson's bulletin board material right there. But at the same time, if, if you're Ohio State, you got to now go and back up your coach because they're going to be taking shots at your coach. They're going to be coming at your guy, and you're going to have to go out there and back him up. And players get up for stuff like that. I talked about the 3 Bengals-Chiefs game earlier. Chad Johnson guaranteed a win in that game. <laughs> yeah, Chad Johnson guaranteed a win in that game. And if you're not familiar with that game, the Chiefs were 9-0 coming to Paul Brown Stadium against a 4-5 and Bengals team. The Chiefs were really, really good. Bengals beat them. And Chad Johnson said after the game, you know, he apologized to his teammates for putting them in that position, but he appreciates them ste- stepping up and having his back. Same situation to an extent here with Ohio State with Ryan Day and against Clemson. Would not surprise me at all if Ohio State goes out there and beats the Clemson Tigers. It happens. It's college football. All right, very quickly here, running out of time. The NBA is back officially tonight, as I'm saying this. Uh, you know, I, I put this in the rundown to talk about it as if I wouldn't release this on Tuesday. But as if, I'm, I'm having a moment here where I'm realizing if I release this on Wednesday, then no one's going to be listening to it's going to be completely pointless for me to talk about the NBA coming back. So I've made the decision right now at 1.40 in the afternoon on Tuesday that we're going to talk about the NBA tonight, or that we're going to talk about the NBA, and I'm going to release the podcast today. So tonight, NBA kicks off two games. 
you have the hold on i just had it you have the golden state warriors at the brooklyn nets that's going to be interesting golden state unfortunately without clay thompson but steph curry's back they got a good young team there steve kerr the head coach against the brooklyn nets the crazy kyrie irving who needs help in a lot of different ways uh kevin durant and uh steve nash the head coach of brooklyn nets really going to be an interesting game that i'm going to be looking out for that's a seven o'clock tip i believe seven thirty and then your late West Coast game, the Los Angeles Clippers against the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are going to be getting their rings tonight. That's going to be interesting. Excited that we have basketball back. Excited that we have the NBA back. So, um, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I love I love the NBA. I love just watching it. It's it's uh, really weird the way that they had their their whole off season like so quickly and I know the Lakers are not happy about it and then they're the first team to play and yada 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 and there's been all this preseason but you know it is what it is they're back and they're trying to get on schedule and it looks like they're going to be able to do this at home arenas instead of in a bubble format so good for the NBA let's take a look really quickly at the NFL playoff picture 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 wow I hate when people do that it's like saying pumpkin no it's pumpkin pumpkin anyways uh in the AFC the uh, teams that have clinched a playoff spot are the Chiefs the Bills and the Steelers the Chiefs are right now the number one overall seed, and that's no thanks in no short part to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who've lost three straight. The Chiefs are 13-1 and their first place in the AFC West, and right now the number one overall seed in the AFC. The Bills are the second seed. They're 11-3, and first place in the AFC East. How about the Bills winning the AFC East division for the first time since 1995, and in the last 11 seasons, it's been all New England Patriots this time, it's the Buffalo Bills. The Steelers are still in third in the AFC, 11-3 and in first place in the AFC North, but hello, the Cleveland Browns are sneaking up. The Tennessee Titans are fourth right now. They are 10-4 and in first in the AFC South. The Cleveland Browns are 10-4 and and second in the AFC North. They are in fifth. The sixth seed is the Indianapolis Colts, also 10-4, and four, second in the AFC South. The Miami Dolphins currently in the playoffs at 9-5 and five and second in the AFC East. Two teams on the bubble in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders. Baltimore 9-5, and five, the Raiders 7-7. Seven and seven. In the NFC, the Green Bay Packers have clinched a playoff spot. They're currently the number one overall seed in the NFC at 11-3 and three in first place. In the NFC North, the New Orleans Saints are 10-4. and They're at first place in the NFC South and the second seed in the NFC. The Seattle Seahawks are third. They are 10-4 and and first in the NFC West. They have clinched a playoff spot. In the hunt over here, right now the fourth team would be the Washington football team. They are in first place in the NFC East. The Los Angeles Rams have are falling after that big loss to the New York Jets this weekend. They're 9-5 and five and second in the AFC West. Your six and seven teams right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at six, nine and five in the NFC South. Second and uh, in seventh, the Arizona Cardinals, who are eight and six and third in the NFC West. A lot of teams on the bubble still in it when it comes to the NFC, and that's primarily because of how bad the NFC East is. So the other three NFC East teams are actually in contention for the division. The Cowboys at 5-9, and nine, the Giants at 5-9, and nine, and the Eagles at 4-9-1. and one. As it currently stands, the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles are 11, 13, and 14 in the conference. 8-9 and nine and on the bubble are the Chicago Bears. The Bears are 7-7, seven and seven, second in the NFC North, and the Minnesota Vikings right behind them at 9 are 6-8 and eight and third in the NFC North. So a lot of stuff going on this weekend where we're going to find out exactly who is uh, going to be where and most likely what the playoff seedings are going to be as we wrap up the last two weeks 
of the NFL season. So that's pretty much going to do it for me. Hyped up, excited, so ready to go, and thrilled that the Bengals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, as always, have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks. Ball don't lie, by the way. 